Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, my body hits the net. Boom. That there is a 16 stone, 22 year old <laughs> with no fear hitting the deck. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Three, two, one. <laughs> Go now, we're live, we're live across the world. We're live. We're live, baby. Go, this go, go. is the Running With Jake podcast. Welcome back to your weekly dose of running motivation. Look, I hope you're enjoying the show because I'm going to be really honest with you right now. It is the highlight of my week. In fact, I've been sat in this chair for the past week just waiting to record the next episode. I just love it. <laughs> but do you know what? We need to keep our spirits high, Pete. This is so true. The running community at the moment, we're being hit hard. We're, everybody's on tenterhooks which is which is a phrase i don't often use to be honest tenterhooks you know we're waiting for an yeah. announcement 28th of july london marathon will it go ahead we don't know people messaging me do i train do i not train what do i do it's really difficult so we've got to keep our spirits high and that's what this show is all about i'm feeling pretty good i'll be honest my, my training is pretty good at the moment i'm in a i'm in a good place with it and that isn't always the case you'll know if you've listened to uh, the show from day one that i did go over on my ankle i was in a moon boot for a while i i uh, did some pretty bad damage to the ankle i had the uh, the whole moment bear with the sore head now i'm back come out the other side i'm feeling really good at the moment so i want to take you guys with me so stick around for more running motivation talking of running motivation and how we're doing and if we're in a good place how's your running pete how's how's things going we haven't checked in with you in a little while doing couch to 5k making good progress what's going on well, it's done, isn't it? Cash to 5K is done, and I've gone, oh, that's all right, I don't mind running. I didn't like the idea of running, then I did Cash to 5K. And so I'm just doing, well, I was doing uh, 5Ks like three, maybe four times a week. Um, and then, obviously, my my my, um, my knee started kicking off uh, a few weeks ago, probably two, two and a half weeks ago. So I went, oh, God, and one thing I don't like, I, I don't mind running, that's fine, but one thing I don't like is pain. So I'm going, I'm not going to, I, I, I dislike pain enough to stop me running yeah i get so that. i did you messaged so me did, about this yeah. as well didn't you i get i get that mm. Pete. yeah yeah but but then obviously i um th- then i then then what i started doing is i realized that it's running downhill that hurts my, my knee the most so i'm picking routes where i don't have to go downhill so i'm trying to stay on the straight and, and narrow which is quite nice but also and and this is the other thing just stretching my knee a little bit before a run because i'm a non-running guy you know I, like the, the cash to 5k thing no one talks about stretches or warming up or anything like that you just go on your five minute walk before the before the 5k which is fine for my right knee but for my left knee it's not so good that's actually really but yeah i'm back on it that's actually a really good point you're, you're right there you know there is an element of a warm-up there in terms of like the five minute walk but that's kind of it and your message will be going what do i need to do now you're talking about his mobility and dynamic warm-ups and foam rolling what do i need to do so you kind of have to have this holistic approach to running definitely but we'll you know we'll keep drip feeding you that information obviously you're the producer of the podcast so you get it all uh, every week anyway so that's that's awesome but it's weird for me because obviously we're friends we're we're colleagues i guess we're i i feel like i'm your coach as well i want to help you and and part of me like really sympathizes when you message me about the knee and i'm like man yeah this is real you know you don't want to run through discomfort and then the other part of me is like well actually i know how you did this now some people my <laughs> runners they pick up little niggles and injuries it's no fault of their own these things can sometimes yeah. just come to bite you you however tore your meniscus just just remind me how you actually tore your meniscus what actually happened 
Well, I was fired out of a cannon at a stunt show, wasn't I? <laughs> you were fired <laughs> out of a cannon. So, if you are out running at the moment, don't stumble yeah. into a hedge in fits of laughter. Pete, the producer, was fired out of a cannon. This was many years ago, actually. And I, do you know, until you, recently, when you messaged me, I totally forgot about that. And then you kept mentioning the knee. And I was like, oh, my... It was the cannon! It was, it was, the I cannon. was in my early 20s. I was in, I was in that, that phase of saying yes to everything. And it was like, mate, do you want to come and take part in a stunt show? Yeah, of course, yeah. Do you want to be fired? Do you want to be the human cannonball? And I'm going, yeah. Do you know what? I'm, I'm not enjoying my job at the moment. This could be a new career. So I went, yeah, yeah, human cannonball, of course. That sounds cool. Because that's what happened in Cannonball Run 2. That's what uh, Burt Reynolds' character did. And I just thought, yeah, I'm going to be the human cannonball. And, and I'll be a household name. This is mad. We've both done some stupid stuff in our time, but you actually followed through with this. I mean, there was a time when I almost became a member of the Utterly Butterly wing-walking team, but I didn't go through with that. Whereas you, Brilliant. the question was posed, Pete, do you want to be fired out of a cannon? You're like, yeah, I'm in. When? What? Where, how's next Wednesday for you? I've never actually seen the footage because I know there's video footage you've mentioned this before and every time we sort of meet up when we can meet up and it comes up in conversation you're like oh yeah yeah I must show you sometime I've never seen it have you got it to hand now you must have it you sat in your studio I can see you on the video screen here you're you're like Mr Organised Producer you've got files and index systems for everything I, I need got, to. I need to see this. I need to. <laughs> you know, I've not seen it. In, I've not seen it in years. Do you really want to yeah, see God, it now? God. <laughs> God. Uh, okay. Hang on. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's just. Well, how do I share my screen? Share hang your on, screen. Just a minute. If you if you listen yeah, to this, screen. by the way, I, I will. Uh, to anybody listening to this, it is like, uh, what is going on? I need to see this footage. Make no mistake about it. I'm going to make sure Pete uploads this to the show notes page, runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Is there? He is. There's the cannon. There's the cannon and a big. <laughs> field look there's a net in front of it and then the guy starts a countdown what happened to your leg I mean, well, did you see what happened did you see that yeah. because i came out right i go into i come out they told me that what I need to do is I need to come out and I need to throw my hands into the air like Superman. What actually happened is you're inside the cannon, right? It's really dark. He says, are you ready? And I go, yeah, I'm fine. And then he then he starts a countdown. At five, right, he does a countdown from five. At about three, I start to have a panic attack and think, I want out of here. I really want to be out of here. And then, and then, and then the next minute... All the darkness becomes light, <laughs> and you go from 0 to 60 in about a second. If <laughs> not even that, not even that. And then you come out, and you're thinking, right, uh, Superman. By which time you've hit the net, and you've rolled over onto your knee and torn it, and absolutely knackered your ligaments, which is what which is what happened. I, I mean, so, uh, I, I, what I could do is play it back for you in slow motion, Jay. Please, right? please. I mean, I right. shouldn't laugh because obviously this is. Wait, the... here I come out. Look, <laughs> look. You see that? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> that there. Started to go very wrong, I think you'll agree. We have to upload this to the show notes page. Make no mistake, right. This for the rest of your day listening to this, this is what you're going to be doing. You're just going to be playing back wait this video it. as I am. What you're, I'm going to... Just, just wait for it. Move, a little bit further Hang on, forward. I'm going I'm to... Let, let me advance. Well, there you go. I mean, look, look what's happened what's there. Your leg doing? I'm like a spider. Your leg, I'm like a spider. Y- your leg should not be at that angle. It should not be at that angle. Wait, look at that, look at that mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the running, man, but in the air. I mean... And I'm, we're going down really rather quickly. 
Wait for it. And watch the net as my body hits the net. Boom. That there is a 16 stone, 22-year-old <laughs> with no fear hitting the deck. Wait for it. Right, my leg hits the, hits the net. And, oh, look at that. It's not Man, supposed to bend like that. That's not good. Ooh. That's not good. The funniest thing is, it's the guy that immediately comes up to the net and, like, whisks you away. It's like you shouldn't be doing it. You know what I mean? It's like you're a, a streaker <laughs> at a football match and they've just suddenly pounced on you and got you off the pitch. I mean... Well, I think you, he saw that something went a little this? bit wrong and he, he, wondered, he wondered whether I was... Look, look, there you go. There's the limp. There's the limp <laughs> as I walk away. Look at that. Anyway, we'll get it uploaded to running with jake.com forward slash podcast. Oh, man. You are the Tom Cruise of the podcast world. There's absolutely no mistake there. Pete, the producer, does all his own stunts. You heard it here first. No, I'm not, Jake. I'm just a dickhead. <laughs> running with Jake, the podcast. Your weekly dose of running motivation. Out every Wednesday. Never miss an episode by subscribing now. Our next guest I'm super excited to be talking to. It's Andy Hooton. He's the head of sport and exercise at the University of Derby. He's got a BSc in biology and psychology and MSc in sport and exercise science, majoring, I believe, in sports psychology, which is why I was so keen to get him on the show. We're speaking to him now. Andy, hello. How are you doing, Chief? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you very much, Jake. Nice to speak to you. Did I get that right? I didn't mess up there, did I? Pretty much bang on, yeah. First degree in psychology and biology, then an MSc in sport and exercise science, which focused on psychology, and then my PhD was in uh, the training of sport and exercise psychology practitioners. Wow. Okay. I mean, it's not like I'm interviewing you to come on the show. I mean, I think you're overqualified, to be perfectly honest with you, but it's great, <laughs> it's great to talk to you all the same. You'll be surprised. <laughs> Do you know, the reason I was so keen to get you on, Andy, actually, is because we know, I mean, I think we all know, all everybody listening to this show, all the runners out there know just how important the... The, a role the mind plays in our performance and I know that's a keen interest you've got that the psychological factors that influence performance and sometimes the mind can can get in our own way can't it so I'm going to jump straight in the deep end here this is obviously a massive subject now we hear a lot of people talk about oh it's all in the mind the body achieves what the mind believes just how much of performance is down to your mental state? I think that's a tricky one. I, I always like to think that you, you take the individual at face value, so uh, you often hear that it's 10% uh, physical prowess and 90% in the mind when it gets to the elite kind of level, but I, I think uh, each individual is quite different and um, try, and, try and take each person separately, I guess, and, and, and work with them depending on their strengths and weaknesses and areas for development. And Yeah, I think it varies quite a lot for people. I... Um, I've worked with a variety of different athletes. I've, I've worked down um, at Derbyshire County Cricket Club actually for the last kind of four or five years, and you know, working with the team there, you know, there's a variety of different people. Some that will maybe seek a little more support in relation to um, performance psychology, and some that are quite comfortable and happy as long as things are going well, and and therefore progress without maybe any additional support. So I think very much depends on the individual and and, and who you're working with as to maybe how much they rely on that psychological side. But I think it's I think it's important for everyone. It just seems that some people tend to uh, tend to cope with things and deal with uh, maybe setbacks and challenges a little better than others. You know, you, you mentioned there the different different people effectively, and it, it affects people differently. Is it, are we talking personality here? I mean, how much that you're aware of, and how much does the science tell us that individual personality actually is a is a factor here? You know, do do, do different personalities respond differently to to pressure? for example yeah i think you know um people have certain characteristics that uh, maybe influence their performance under pressure and their approach to pressure so um 
you know, a, a simple maybe kind of look at it might be to consider the difference between introverts and extroverts and, and, and an extrovert potentially will always like that opportunity to be able to perform in front of a crowd and, and, and demonstrate their ability over others and in front of others. And, and, and therefore, I, I guess on, that can have two, two aspects. If you if you're kind of have high self-efficacy and high belief in your ability, then that can be quite uh, confidence boosting and that can give you real... Um, real kind of motivation under pressure whereas if you're kind of maybe a little bit unsure of your ability and you're you're kind of um yeah i guess your your ability in order to be able to perform then then that might create a uh, uh, high anxiety and, and and therefore inhibit your performance even further I, I guess there must be a balance here right though because if if you if, if we're taking an individual for example that's that's pretty pretty confident in their own ability they've set some lofty goals maybe they've achieved some great stuff before in their their sort of running past their exercise past could the risk could could their confidence risk being overconfident could it risk almost complacency and potentially not not putting in the, the necessary work i mean we see this in the sporting world all the time right with 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 big sports personalities not just running it could be boxing you know uh, with somebody that is absolutely you know everybody says right he's going to win this fight and of course complacency kicks in they don't train as hard and of course the outcome is is a negative one do you think there is a balance there with how much confidence we we allow ourselves to i guess have a number of athletes have referred to the fact that you know having a little bit of uncertainty is good because that uncertainty will drive you to, to train hard, to work hard, to to keep on performing at a high level. I think uh, once you tip over into that overconfidence or arrogance state, then then potentially you you relax and and that's when yeah you know the uh, maybe unthinkable happens and and people kind of fall off their perches so to speak. Gee, I find that really interesting actually I'm smiling as you're saying this because as a coach I, I, I sort of experience this quite a lot actually Andy you know people want to know that if they follow this process they will achieve this goal you know they want it to be black and white and exact science and of course it's it's not like that but that on the flip side of that I think is something you touched on with the, the uncertainty because actually the uncertainty makes it quite it makes it quite fun to a degree because it is the unknown and you can't say yeah. categorically you're going to achieve this so then when you do I guess I guess the emotions are, 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 are greater, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what brings the importance of kind of effective goal setting into play because having an element of uncertainty is the notion that goals should be challenging. So if something isn't challenging, then you're pretty certain that you'll be able to you complete it with a relative ease. Whereas when you set something that's a challenge for yourself, then realistically that creates that element of uncertainty as to whether you'll be able to reach that goal or not. And I think that's... Uh, I presume for you as a coach as well comes into play a pretty significant importance in terms of motivating athletes and in your experience Andy do you, do you find that people set almost arbitrary goals it, and what I mean by that is do they sort of pluck these targets out of the air so we're, we're talking running here specifically and people wanting to target times in say marathons let's say next year or fingers crossed back end of this year and if they've never ran a marathon before I always think if somebody's setting a target what are they basing it off is it is it some kind of testing that they've maybe had done at the University of Derby some physiological testing is it actually some uh, some runs that they've done before some races where they're drawing off that experience do you find that people do set arbitrary goals and can that have a negative impact on people's minds that. There's a real importance behind the effectiveness of goal setting and I think 
you know, we've seen massive developments in sport and exercise science over the last kind of 10, 20 years and how we can use a number of different parameters to be able to inform our goal setting, probably from a physiological standpoint as well. Um, and obviously, we, you know, we offer out the HPU packages at the University of Derby for the Human Performance Unit and, and they do help kind of that effective effective goal setting and planning uh, based upon your, your current fitness levels. Um, I guess from a sports psychology point of view, though, I I would suggest that there is still an importance in goal setting. I guess with regard to arbitrary goals, then they can become a little bit debilitative, um, dependent on how they've been set and what they're focusing on. Uh, most commonly, people will have maybe what you've just described there is pretty much an outcome goal. So, um, you know, I would like to run a marathon in under four hours or under three hours or whatever it may be, a 10K in under 40 minutes in terms of setting their targets. But the problem with that is that it's it's just a one one dimensional goal and and you've only got an outcome of either succeed or fail um and therefore that can have a either a, a positive or a debilitative debilitative effect whereas you know there's a number of layers to goal setting where we can potentially protect people's confidence and and self efficacy by creating uh, I guess a number of steps towards that end goal rather than just having the end goal as the main focus and goal setting's a, a massive area right I mean I think it's easy we would talk about sort of arbitrary setting goals of course not everybody does that I think I've done that certainly in the past actually when I first started running I didn't really know what was uh, I suppose a good time from a bad time and, and more specifically what a good time and a bad time was for me personally because I, I really had no experience to draw off and you have to kind of gain that experience throughout your, your running journey recently I've done quite a bit of work on my own personal values so kind of it gets quite deep I guess really you know who am I what makes me tick why do I want to achieve certain things and by doing that work it was quite almost like ripping off a band-aid in some respects you know it was a little bit uncomfortable but actually what that taught me was it helped me to understand myself more so when I'm setting goals like for example as, as perhaps many people listen to the show know that I want to uh, go under three hours at some point in a marathon hopefully Manchester next year I started to do some work on why I want to achieve that because obviously it's going to take me a lot of work it's not going to be an easy thing to, to to achieve so do you think that by it goes a little bit back to personality which we touched on earlier do you think understanding yourself as an individual and kind of what what makes you tick what you respond well to your personality typing does that help when setting goals yeah I mean I think that goes back to what I referred to at the start and, and working with each person individually when it comes to sports psychology because there are certain tools and techniques that kind of we can utilize to be able to support people's uh, goal setting to be able to support their performance their performance under pressure you know a number of different aspects uh, but realistically I'm, I'm very reluctant as a sports psychologist to come along with just a bag of tricks and kind of say right let's try this one almost like a GP here's your here's your problem you've got anxiety at the start of a race I'll prescribe you this as a as a as a fix for that um, more so we'll try and help the individual understand themselves better so that they can kind of navigate their own way through um i guess their sports psychology because something that comes from me it, it, it is potentially something that either doesn't mean that much to people or creates a crutch in terms of then they rely on the sports psychologist for that support in an ongoing manner whereas if you can help them develop a better understanding of themselves so that then they get to the position where they can resolve their own challenges and and and, and problems then they will i guess be the owner of those and have a much better understanding of themselves as a result and therefore 
that's what creates a, a strong mindset and, and, and hopefully someone who's able to perform well under pressure. I mean, you talk about a sort of bag of tricks and I appreciate it isn't, it isn't one size fits all and we can't shoehorn people down a particular path, if you like, to achieve a certain thing. But, I mean, what, what sort of, I suppose, techniques or, or things can you suggest that, that people can perhaps, you know, listening to this show now, get into their mind when setting goals because if if the goals are too lofty and their their current level of ability is too far away from what they want to achieve they potentially risk disappointment and you know not achieving it and i think now's perhaps a good time to be talking about this with obviously the year that we're having 2020 as we record this is no doubt people are listening to it it's bonkers all races are pretty much off the table at the moment so now's a good time to start thinking about setting goals again what do you think people should be considering when um setting a meaningful goal I think I think um, there's a few different aspects, and I guess you know it's it's, it's pretty well um, documented in the literature. But it, performance, uh, well, process performance and outcome goals, I would suggest, are, are important for people to have because they um, give people aspects to focus on outside of that end result. So I guess we've already discussed the outcome goal aspect, which you know, as you've articulated for yourself, is around running that sub three hour marathon in, in Manchester next year but I think you can you can really kind of enhance motivation confidence and also kind of your performance by focusing on process and performance goals now the process goals are not necessarily the um the sexy end of things in terms of kind of your your, your overall outcome or you know um kind of beating certain records that you've had in the past etc there are more around the, the how aspect so looking at technical work looking at your your stride pattern your technique you know how how you can develop that and how you can advance that how you can do it to be able to prevent injury as well you know certain you know i'm sure coaching tips that you give and to people to be able to um potentially adva- advance their running speed through technical work so, so it's almost like those mini wins in terms of the process goals those little sort of wins that you get en route to your potentially outcome goal yeah 100 percent. yeah and i think you know um it one of the things especially with runners as well is that um avoidance of injury aspect as well and you know uh, the technique technical aspects are, are often the, the the kind of main area that i guess leads to leads to injuries for people and 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 they're the kind of uh, probably the downtime which then prevents people reaching their end goals so i guess twofold really one it can prevent kind of that period of of of, of limited or no running when you're injured and also it can enhance the kind of uh, your, your ability to be able to to perform and, and increase speed increase stride pattern etc as you as you as you kind of progressing towards your goals and I suppose along with that comes kind of performance goals and that could be broken down into a number of different varieties. I guess uh, I think Strava's had a, a bumpy year this year based on the, the lockdown scenario and <laughs> people going into that. But it, it gives you kind of um, your your records so you can see how you've achieved. But it's what's good about Strava as well is it gives you all those um different sections you know Strava sections where you can kind of compare your previous performance against so it allows you to be able to kind of see your performance development I guess if you're just you know doing track sessions for example then you know if you're running a a set of five four hundreds for example those performance goals are around kind of your your timings you you know your performance at that time and how you can develop that 
session on session, you know, and it might not be every session that you're trying to break performance goals because I guess pushing too hard all the time can, can, can cause issues as well. But it, it does provide you, a, I guess, a, that, that stepping stone recognition that you are progressing towards your, your overall target and that outcome target. So I think having those process and performance goals detailed and kind of um, consistent within your, within your training plan will allow you to, one, recognise that your physical fitness is getting to the position where it needs to be, but maybe two and maybe more importantly, builds that confidence that you can achieve the overall outcome goal. Do you think too many people focus on the outcome goal rather than looking at the process and performance elements of it? Yeah, I think so, because I think that's that's the main bit, isn't it? That's the bit that if you were to go for a, a drink in the pub with your mates afterwards, then that's the bit that you want them to be talking about. If you kind of tell anybody about your the fact that you're doing a marathon, what's the first thing that somebody asks you? They don't ask you how your technique was, they ask you how you, what your time was. And I think that, that directs people's focus towards the, the outcome goal. Um, so I think it's probably inbuilt in our culture that we are we're focused on the end result and the outcome rather than the process and the the journey to get there do you think a bit of an impact to this obviously people focusing on outcome do you think the fact that the likes of strava and there's many other sort of uh, systems and software out there watches and and gadgets and gizmos that give us all these metrics that people are more used to uh, in today's running do you think that the negative side of that is it kind of because we have this awareness all the time and our watchers and Strava are telling us whether we're faster and slower or we're ahead or we're behind, do you, do you think that has a negative impact? I think it certainly can do. I think it can do a couple of things. I think, one, it can cause people to push all the time when they shouldn't be. You know, training is a balance of of pushing and also kind of, I guess, light training to be able to, if it's running, I guess, build that aerobic capacity. Um, and I guess also what it can do is it can... Uh, impact your mindset during a run as well so if you know you need to be on a certain pace and you're not hitting that pace then all of a sudden you know rather than maybe just easing off and picking back up it it can become quite um, I guess catastrophized in people's mind and then they either stop or you know change the session or do something different as a result of the the pressures of the watch or the pressures of the clock I suppose Um, so it's interesting. I, I have a kind of um, had examples of where people have, you know, put the watches away and 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 then um, just raced. You know, if they go to a park run or what, you know, whatever it may be, just raced and and actually kind of see how it feels and see how you get on without the the constant checking element. Um, and 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 you know, a number of people have found a positive result of that because they're just focusing on the actual kind of race at hand how they feel and uh, maybe the people around them to judge their performance rather than a predicted time yeah i think between the um the the, the sports department at the derby university and the performance community we, we teach people to to triangulate those things we're always talking about that you know we're about heart rate but actually don't just focus on heart rate and pace how do you feel on a given day what's going on what's your rate of perceived exertion i think that helps to 
to manage people's expectations. It's interesting talking about the likes of Strava and, and metrics, not just Strava, but of course all these these numbers that we have. And uh, there's a very famous watch brand. It's actually my famous, my, my favourite running uh, brand of watch that they have the hashtag Beat Yesterday. And I always think, man, is that telling? Is that giving people the wrong the wrong advice there? You know, it's like, look, just put your trainers on, get out there, and do better than you did yesterday. Get injured, you know. And I think there can be yeah, yeah. a bit of a risk attached to that, as you touched on, keeping injury at bay is really important expectations Andy how do we manage those because you know we get to race day so we've we've, we've dealt with the we've focused on the process goals we we reward ourselves and we acknowledge ourselves for improving our technique we're on that starting line how do we manage our expectations of what that outcome goal will will be there's a number of aspects that come into this I think it can be really really challenging for people in terms of that maybe a additional anxiety that is experienced on on race day uh, and how you manage that because often especially if you're building up to something quite significant like a marathon then you're not going to be running those week in week out and and therefore the, the kind of uh i guess rarity of them makes them uh more maybe more anxiety provoking yeah that's a great than, point than another yeah kind of competition it's a magnitude um, of the event isn't it so Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I guess what I've been interested in terms of some of the clients that I've worked with in the past, I mean, I worked with a, a triathlete that went to uh, an age group world championships and you could you could see his um, his demise via social media before he even started the race. Um, just, uh, I, I guess, um, maybe a the phrase of getting in your own head comes to mm. mind comes to mind in terms of he changed his bre- breakfast to what he normally had so changed his nutrition pre-race just because he was nervous and thought he would needed to do something else he changed the tires on his bike pre-race um just things that you know there's a number of things and you could see from maybe the tweets that he was posting pre-race as well that excitement had tipped over into kind of uh, anxiety that was debilitating his his thought process and just his kind of his normal thought patterns which were causing him to potentially uh resort to maladaptive actions as opposed to kind of what he would normally be normally be doing in 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 terms of race preparation um and and you know it, it impacted his race quite significantly and um the subsequent year we were able to get hold of that and and come up with a uh i guess a pre-race plan um, I think that's quite important so that you've got an understanding of what you're doing pre-race and, and therefore the the anticipation on the day doesn't throw you off in terms of your preparation because, you know, that's another thing that people maybe, if they don't do that properly, then that will, no matter how much training they've done and how much they've succeeded in terms of their their kind of goal development towards the race if you if you don't prepare po- properly you know prior to and on the day then then that's really going to throw you out yeah and i guess that can relieve a, a lot of pressure can't it on the, the day of the race it's something less to think about if you've got that strategy you know what you're doing what time you're having breakfast what time you you're leaving for the the race village and putting your bag in the baggage truck and all that stuff i can totally see how that will that will certainly help settle your mind i mean you've worked with a mix of people over the years and do you, do you is there a difference between uh, elite and recreational athletes more than just meets the eye so in terms of the emotions that they experience do do elites experience different emotions from that of recreational runners or are they the same emotions but just the situation and, and events are different perhaps the magnitude 
Yeah, I, I, I think maybe when I started in sports psychology, I thought there was maybe more of a difference than maybe there actually is. I think it's it's interesting when you when you work in with some elite athletes. Um, some can appear calm and, and collected in, in most situations and, and and give you confidence actually which is is quite um reassuring as a sports psychologist as as they kind of um stroll into a variety of different anxiety provoking situations with with very little kind of um challenge um whereas the summer elite athletes that will have <laughs> a variety of different um I don't know what you'd refer to them as ticks, you know, mm. uh, that that they're different kind of uh, habits that they use in order to be able to cope with um, a pressure situation, and, uh, and 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 therefore I think there's a broad spectrum at, at the elite and novice level in terms of how people approach approach the pressure situation. I think one thing that I've done, I guess, with both elite athletes and novice athletes, it, it, it is, 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 I guess, the notion of sometimes we refer to it as thought changing or cognitive restructuring. I guess this kind of links back to that kind of race day kind of ability to be able to control your nerves as well. Is um, there is a tendency that uh, because of the anxiety, then you, you potentially have more negative, maladaptive thoughts that that kind of race through your mind as opposed to kind of just adaptive relevant controllable thoughts and I think um, teaching athletes how to be able to process and recognize their their, their negative and uncontrollable thought processes and, and maybe refocus them towards something that is is relevant is adaptive is controllable that is a really good skill for them to be able to have as well to be able to try and I guess recognize when things could go wrong and also have the whereabouts to be able to to correct that and 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 hopefully kind of reposition their thinking it's it's not a case that a sports psychologist can stop negative thoughts that's just not a, a possibility we can potentially minimize them and 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 and, and, and help athletes learn to recognize when and how they're um generated and also then how how they can be kind of combated i guess it's coping mechanisms isn't it that that not not sort of brushing these emotions and feelings under the carpet but seeing them being aware of them i guess it's emotional intelligence isn't it but then how what do you do from that point i mean if i think of a marathon man that's a long time on your own isn't it whatever time you're targeting that's a long time just you and your thoughts and physical exertion i mean when i actually those words come out of my mouth i think why am i running marathons why does anybody do them it's, it's absolutely crazy isn't it <laughs> do you, so how do we you know we, the, we get these doubts creep into our head whether that's on a training run or in the middle of a race what things can we do and i appreciate it isn't as we said one size fits all but is it is it mantras do those things work for 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 people in your experience is it down to breathing technique how do we sort of process those negative thoughts that could potentially send our performance off a precipice i always kind of uh, work with the individual to work out what's going to what's going to work for them but in terms of a basic kind of process to, to work through um I guess it would be recognizing what the potential negative thoughts are. I mean, I don't know whether you'd be willing to share, Jake, but I, I guess in, in, in anticipation of that Manchester Marathon, have you got an idea of what would be kind of a two or three kind of key key kind of aspects for you that might be concerning? That's a really great question. I'm, I've been put on the spot here. I, well, what I can tell you is I'm not sure if you're aware of, and, and people listening to this show maybe, but in Manchester Marathon last year, which was, what, 2019, I actually stopped. I had my first DNF. I did not finish. I stopped at 18 miles. And I'll tell you why I stopped, Andy. Purely psychology. Yeah. 
nothing else talking of yeah. strava we look at heart rates we look at pace nothing fell off a cliff everything was fine yes i was working hard but it was almost like i wasn't prepared to work as hard as i had to to achieve what i wanted does that make sense so i got to 18 and i was i was distracted i was thinking about i had runners with me at the time who were also taking part in manchester and i was more concerned about yeah. them how they were getting on and i know that sounds like a bit of a woolly fluffy thing to say from a coach or you know i was more it was more important for me to think about the other runners but it was and i just i just didn't want to be there it was really weird so that's kind of in my yeah. head now so I'm really intrigued to see how things unfold for me. It's actually made me more hungry. And I don't know if that makes some sense to you, but that's how I've, I suppose, uh, uh, adapted and used that disappointment is, right, I'm, I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen again. And me personally, and I can't back this up with science, but I'm going to be ready for mile 18 in the Manchester Marathon because yeah. that, for me, is like a, a... That's almost like a process goal rather than an outcome goal. Does that make some sense? I want to get to, to mile 18. That's a mini reward. Yeah, yeah. And then beyond that, I can start to think about the finishing line and, and a goal. So yeah, definitely. I guess finishing strong is, is a thing for me. Um, and I've been relatively... Not to make it all about me, but I've been relatively mentally strong over the years, but I certainly took a hit last year. Um, so I've got to bounce back from that. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, definitely. And, and that's a... <laughs> That's a, no, that's a really great example, Jake. So, so thank you for that. And um, you know that that aspect of kind of I guess distance would, would would relate to those performance goals as well. In terms of kind of you know recognizing that as a performance goal for you for your next kind of um, yeah your next effort, I yeah. guess. But that that provides a perfect example because what's happened to your thought processes there, and you know it's not strange at all in the fact that they've become kind of externally focused. And they may have become externally focused for a variety of reasons based on the internal struggle or pain or challenge that you were kind of experiencing. Um, but that is quite a common thing. And, and, and that can be quite, a, I guess, a distractor for people in the sense that if we talk about attentional control and where we need it to be able to perform effectively, then if we said 75% of our focus needs to be on ourselves and our performance and, and, and how we're kind of... Um, actually performing at that time to be able to maintain whatever it be technique standard kind of uh, the legs turning over then if your uh, focus becomes too too external then potentially you, you do lose grasp of what you're doing and, and where you're at and and that is quite a common maybe kind of result in the in the in the notion of of, of the dnf there so it's it's interesting. I, I was also thinking when you were talking about then of a of a track cyclist, and this is quite a different example, but has the same, I guess, meaning behind it. Is they had a bad accident um, on on the track, and, and and ever since that bad accident, they, I mean, the first kind of meeting I had with them, they were in tears because every time they're on the track, they were they were they were just conscious about what everybody else is doing. Are they going to knock me off? Are they going to cause me the issue? Are they going to be kind of the reason why I'm injured again and, and why I can't kind of do the sport i love and achieve what i want to achieve wow going back to that accident then going back to that place in their mind yeah definitely constantly and that becomes quite you know debilitating so i, what I, I guess what i mean by that loss of focus that loss of control and that kind of um move over to an external kind of focus is quite a common kind of uh, feeling for athletes and it's not to say that distractors can't help and you know when, we, when we're running we don't use the crowds and things but a loss of external a loss of kind of key focus is is quite critical for for athletes and so one of the things that we've worked through with that athlete and you know whether it's relevant for yourself jake as well is, is recognizing when those when those feelings start happening when those challenges start happening and and then thinking about 
potentially a, uh, we thought we talk about a thought stopping cue. So something that means stop to you, or it could just mean change focus or whatever it means. Some people use a red light, you know, to imagine in their mind because they see a traffic light as a stop. Um, but it can be a positive word that you, you kind of, because we're, we're trying to transition to a positive relevant controllable thought so it can be something positive that helps that transition and once we've kind of used that as a as a visual image or a, a word that we've said out loud or internally to ourselves then we refocus on maybe the elements that we need to be th- focusing on which you kind of referred to uh, in part earlier which might be your breathing it might be your technique at that time it might be kind of your stride pattern whatever it might be and I'm not saying for everybody that will be the the perfect solution uh, because some people won't want that kind of um, acute focus on their technique, you know, because that will, again, cause them certain anxieties and challenges. So, so this is where it becomes in- individual, isn't it? I get that, yeah. Yeah, go back to that default position of it is, it is for individual, but I hope that example provides, you know, insight as to how you can kind of manipulate your thoughts a bit to, to, to be focused where you want them to be. This is really deep stuff, isn't it? I could talk to you all day about this, this Andy. I, I love all this. And, you know, it, it, we talk about uncertainty, as we touched on earlier, and, and that's all of this is uncertain, isn't it? Because you, there's so much that we can't say that is absolutely going to happen and experiences that we have in races. We often talk about afterwards, don't we? Oh, I remember you know, back in 2016 when this happened, I didn't expect to get cramp at mile seven or, or whatever it might be. So there is so much uncertainty certainty but of course it does mean that that reward is great and I've always said there's a cost to a lofty goal now we're talking physical goals here we're talking specifically running but but exercise activity in general if you have a lofty goal that's that's challenging for you it's it's physically challenging now that's a really difficult thing to overcome I find because as we touched on my experience last year Andy in Manchester it's almost like I wasn't prepared to work hard enough I just my tolerance levels was were low I didn't want to break through and another day perhaps another year and another race I, I may have had that resilience that mental resilience if that makes some sense to you to push through I just didn't last year yeah. and that's why I sort of want to almost I guess make amends in some respects next year so that that will be my target but I really appreciate using me as an example actually I've, I've certainly taken something away from uh, from this chat so that's that's nice listen before you go I, I've Good, got, yeah. I just want to pick your brains on this one area if that's okay and I don't know if you can offer any um, any any nuggets here but the classic one taking it back from race day now people just perhaps looking outside thinking my gosh the trees are bending double look at the wind I'm not up for a run today how can people get themselves out there is there an element of that you're talking about that traffic light system in the mind or the sort of almost positive mantra a way of breaking their their thought process is there something that we can do just to get ourselves to lace up and get out there i think there's a number of things that help and i think you know we've already alluded to kind of goal setting and having those goals in place which which kind of motivate people to get out i also think there's an importance of that social element uh, and however you prefer to access that i think is uh, is important for people so obviously there's a lot of um, electronic means to access kind of social motivation now but um, also having running groups and, and, and or a running buddy I guess and especially during lockdown that's been a bit of a challenge but I think you know knowing that you're kind of uh, investing in something with someone else is a motivator um, it's quite easy sometimes when it's uh, kind of left to the individual person to uh, to to turn around and think that that couch looks comfy and I wouldn't mind catching another episode on Netflix or whatever it might be whereas I think when you're when you're in it with somebody else and you they know the goals that you're working to and you've told them the reasons behind that and what you want to achieve 
then I think that also provides that motivation to get out there and get it done. Um, and I think the the benefits of doing that, both physically and mentally, are, are really important for people as well. You know, once once you actually get out there, complete your exercise, your training program, whatever it might be, then um, I think there's very few people that look back on those and think, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I think it's more the thought of the doing rather than the actual doing it itself. Awesome. I think uh, you've given us some absolute knowledge bombs today. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Andy. Uh, I, I feel like talking to you, I, I need to connect more often with you. I think you're the kind of person that could make me accountable to keep me on track for my own personal goals. This is your weekly <laughs> dose of running motivation. I'm going to add you on Strava. Is that all right? Do you mind doing that? You, you, we can, we'll keep each other accountable. Are you getting out there at the moment doing bits of running and cycling? Um, I, I, I unfortunately have been cycling for about the past year on the basis that I've uh, I've had a, a, a knee injury, so uh, I've uh, yeah damaged my meniscus um, after after a, I did a, a twenty mile Havisage hilly up in the peaks. Oh wow! And, uh, unfortunately, it's not been the same since. So um, oh Andy, we're almost the same. I damaged my meniscus after being fired out of a cannon. It's the same. We're almost the same. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I, if you add me on Strava, just remember I'm a, I'm a do what I say, not what I do, sports psychologist. <laughs> got you, okay. got you. I'll make a note there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll scribble that down. Andy, it's been awesome talking to you. Thank you so much. Listen, you have a great rest of the day, and I'm sure we'll speak again in the future. Yeah, great stuff. Thank you very much, Jake. Take care. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast and follow us on social media. It's hashtag Ask Jake, and Dave's got quite an interesting question for me today. He has started to wear a knee support because he's been suffering some discomfort in his knee. He has not had it diagnosed, and while he's running, he, he has this support on, which gives him confidence. Do I think it's a good idea? This is a difficult one to answer uh, because, obviously, I'm not a physiotherapist. I'm not a doctor, but in my experience as a running coach and my experience of my own running in terms of the injuries and niggles I've had, I don't think that using something like a knee support is necessarily the best idea Uh, and here's why i think you can almost become reliant on it and you might almost be trying to mask over some of the let's say pain discomfort um the issue that you are having with the knee and you may be better off actually scaling back your running stopping altogether for a short period depending on what the issue is and how bad it is of course and maybe focusing on strengthening the muscles and the ligaments and the tendons around the knee so that your body does a better job of supporting you rather than relying on a a band-aid as it were or a knee support it's almost like the equivalent of taking painkillers in my mind before a, a training session a tough training session or a race to numb the pain that somebody might be experiencing it doesn't change the fact that there's something going on with the body so unless you've had some i mean i certainly think it's worth getting it diagnosed getting a specialist to look at it but unless you have had a diagnosis and somebody has said an expert that it's advisable to wear a knee support i probably wouldn't use it as your uh, as your go-to i hope that helps perhaps something to think about there maybe scale back your training a little bit hope to see you back in one piece very soon if you have a question it's hashtag ask jake that's is it for today's show i hope you enjoy listening to the podcast as much as we enjoy recording it for you have a great rest of the day whatever you are up to we will be back here next week for your weekly dose of running motivation but of course before we part company i have one more thing to say fear is not real it is merely the product of the thoughts that you create Unless you're about to be fired out of a cannon. Three, two, one!